Welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, where we have conversations and give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you live in your best healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the Black Psychologist Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening and for watching. I am your humble host and clinician, Dr. Kyle Osborne. And of course, I'm not here by myself. I'm here with my co-host, the great, the famous, and sometimes infamous Dr. Jason Coleman. <laughs> How are you, good brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. What's, what's going on today, bro? Nothing, man. Nothing. You know, just chilling. You know, we're here at the beginning of the week. So, you we know, got a lot of the news this week, man. Absolutely. We got a lot of the news. Absolutely. How was your week, man? Um, it was good, man. It was productive. It's cold though out here. You know, I mean, I was in Philly this weekend, but I'm in Jersey now. So it's cold out here, man. It's, okay. it's, it's actually snowing right now a little bit. Flakes. Yeah, I saw what that. Y'all oh, you saw that? Yeah, yeah, saw that, man. Um, so yeah, you know, the weather was like great last week. Now we back to Typical winter weather, you know. Yeah, in so, March. Yeah, but pretty so, much you know. unpredictable, man. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, so we'll get into it. Uh, first and foremost, we're still going to continue um, celebrating our women. It's still Women's History Month, you know. Now every month is Women's History Month, but you know they're they're observing it, uh, in particularly in month. So we definitely want to give uh, a shout out and acknowledgement to all of the women all over the world. Um, Without you, there is no us, pretty much. So, uh, absolutely. You know, we want to continue to represent and continue to acknowledge everybody. Um, and so, with that being said, the first thing that we're going to start off with is we're going to talk about the uh, Norman High School girls basketball team. So, for okay. some people, they may have um, heard about this. This has gained a lot of attention over the uh, past few days. But there's a um, Norman High School girls basketball team which is located in Oklahoma, and uh unfortunately they're gaining some attention not so much or not just with their their talent on the court but what also took place uh even before the game so i'm gonna give a little backstory about what took place all right so uh norman high school girls was playing a um i want to say it was the semifinal um basketball team or a semifinal basketball game and what they t- uh, decided to do before the game is that they took a knee, right? When we know that, you know, why teams are taking the knee to, you know, bring attention to racial oppression and injustice. And so right. what took place was that while the team mind, mind you, this is a high school girls basketball team. So I want everybody to keep that in perspective. Um, mm-hmm. They, while they were taking a knee, uh, the broadcasters uh, that were calling the game um, had these terrible reprehensible comments. And I'm going to uh, uh say the comments for you guys. So as they were taking a knee, the commentators said, and I quote, they're kneeling. Fuck them. Right. This is the announcer of Matt Rowan. Right. He says they're kneeling. Fuck them. I hope Norman gets their ass kicked. Fucking niggers. All right. So this is remember, this is being said at and directed at high school girls uh, basketball team. So, of course, the microphone was on um, and it just went from there. Right. So, 
You know, not that, you know, these girls are already dealing with the other competitor on the floor. Now they have to deal with these racist slurs and remarks that are being made by so-called professionals or, um, you know, adults, right? They're supposed to be there just calling the game and doing the play-by-play. So um, what I am happy to report is that, one, of course, you know, this gained attention and the broadcaster, they're dealing with that situation. But they've also, the girls went on to play in a game a couple days ago and they won their, actually, their state title. So I definitely want to give them all the credit in the world for not only, you know, playing against another competitor or another team, but also going against this, right? Because this is exactly the reason why they are kneeling. So um, what's your take on that, Dr. Jack? I mean, it's one of the situations where it's like you're shocked, you know, you're appalled, but you're not surprised, right? Um, I don't know if that was... 10 years ago, I know it was five years ago, but it kind of reminds me of that situation with um, Imus, that was the radio announcer. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, the, with the uh, Rucker girls, right? Right. Right. Um, so, same type of, like, um, I don't even want to call it an offhanded comment because it's a, it's, a, it's a racist comment. Um, but again, shocked, appalled, surprised? No, right? So, is it reprehensible? Yes. Um, but I think you know, the bigger issue is kind of what like allows these issues to to kind of continue to exist, right? Because mm-hmm. most most logical people um, or people of good moral compass, let me say that, are going to say that this is a reprehensible thing to be involved with, right? But the problem is exactly what you said. I'm not condoning racism. I'm not condoning any of this, but they said this about children, right? These are children. Right. These kids. So what level of ignorance or what level um, I don't want to call what level of ignorance do you have to have, even if you have these views to direct them at a child? Right. Um, and, and, and to me, it, it just goes when I say bigger issue, it goes to what are the conditions that allow this to go on? Right. Like they don't look at these kids as human. You gotta dehumanize. You gotta dehumanize somebody before you can talk to somebody like that. You know this. Whoever this person is that did this, made these comments. Um, I'm not. I don't want to say how would they feel, right? But what would they do if somebody talked to their mother like that? In whatever context that it that that you know, whatever context would impact them in that way, or their daughter, right? But again, I don't want to get away from the fact that what allows these 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 kind of with the conditions that that the environments that allow these to allows this to exist is that you got to dehumanize somebody before you can make comments like that about them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's crazy, and the fact that this is a grown person talking to these kids like that um, is crazy. So. Now you said they were dealing with the situation, didn't right? Now here's the, the most, here's the most laughable aspect of it, right? It's not funny the situation, but here's the most laughable part of it. So he came out and said afterwards that, all right, you know, I made inappropriate and racist comments, believing that the microphone was off, right? <laughs> However, <laughs> right, this is what this is what he says. However, let me state immediately that that's no excuse for such comments should have never been uttered. Here's another part. I will state that I suffer from type one diabetes and during the game, my sugar was spiking. So while I'm not excusing my remarks, it's not unusual for when my sugar spikes that I become disoriented and I say things that are not appropriate as well as hurtful. 
I so, do not believe that I would have made such horrible statements absent my sugar spiking. So now, now, now that, right? may, <laughs> that may be true, but I think he left the, the end of the sentence out, right? <laughs> I, he wouldn't have made those comments outside of his home, right? Because those are comments that I, I believe that this individual makes on a regular basis. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, he said because the mic was on, he wouldn't, you know, right. the mic was on, right? And here's the thing, <laughs> right? The just, <laughs> just so we rule this out, right? Because that's what we're in the business for, right? As clinicians, right. we rule things out. All right. First and foremost, if we're dealing with, you know, high blood sugar, low blood sugar, I've had the opportunity <laughs> to work with a lot of patients. You know, I was working at Cooper Hospital that were dealing yeah. with and trying to have a difficulty managing their, their blood sugar. All right. they And it's like there is an aspect where it can cause cognitive impairments or they call it like brain fog. And no means, right? And let me just let me just throw this out there. These are the symptoms, right, of, of these cognitive impairments due to like if you're having difficulty managing your um, – your diabetes, right? You have trouble concentrating. You have like mood swings. You have irritability, memory problems. Uh, you have headaches, irritability. Uh, I said that already. Dizziness, confusion, and like difficulty problem solving. I don't know out of any of those symptoms that any of them say like, well, you know, what? I'm just gonna come out and start making racial slurs, right? <laughs> right? In no form or fashion. Are we really like, are you, you are you really going to play this off and try to attribute your behavior, right, to medical? Because this is what we're doing. Like, you I really mean, think that that's going to fly? Like, you're going to say and try to insult people and be like, oh, I, I was disoriented. So that's why it, it forces me to say these type of harmful statements. That's what he says, harmful statements. I mean, it's ridiculous, obviously. Um, yeah. The fact that he he was allowed to release a statement, or that he still has a job, or that they're even considering it, is a little crazy to me. Um, because again, this he said this to children, right? Right. We wouldn't if a teacher talked to a student like that, they'd be fired that day. If the person that is working in food service and and making sandwiches and serving your, your children food every day, if they talk to him like that, they'd be fired. If the bus driver talked to the kids like that, they'd be fired. Right. You know, why this person, you know, is still employed or might still be employed, I don't know. You know, um, but again, it just speaks to the cultural environment that we're in. Um, and it's dangerous for kids, right? Because it, it's hard enough for them to have to focus on winning a state championship, right? But not only that, but they got to deal with, you know, playing in this environment. So, who knows what other things that, you know, if, if they're allowing this in this type of conversation in this environment, just who knows what the, the other things that these kids have been exposed to. You know? Right. I mean, because you have um, to think, though, this this is blatant racism. And how is how often has he been saying this when the microphone hasn't been on? Right. How he's been, I imagine, calling these games for right. probably X, Y amount of years. And when the mic's not on, when they're on commercial break or when they're, you know, not in play, like, what else has he been saying that we just aren't aware of? Right. Um, one good thing I wanted to kind of point out is that the Players Association, you know, WNBA reached out to the mm -hmm. team and the girls um, just to kind of show support and congratulate them. So that's a good thing. Um, I mean, again, the one and we, we touched on this a bunch of times, like technology is helping us in this aspect, right? Because we're exposing somebody who is working around, you know, children, 
uh, working around minority children who doesn't need to be right. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and and through technology, people are also allowed to show you support, right? From halfway across the world, from yeah. WNBA, different countries, different places, um, and we can also expose you know people um, when they do make these kind of comments. Where usually, if they're in a certain state or in a certain environment or protected by a certain business, you know these things will be swept under the rug. So I think it's a good thing in terms of um, going viral, you know, because again, it, you know, it's a lesson, you know, and the fall from grace, I think, does a lot more, you know, for teaching people what proper decorum is, you know, um, most of the time, because that's, that's how individuals learn, man. They lose, they, you lose things, you lose money, you lose a job, you lose friends, you know, Talking to people and engaging them in conversation, like it is useful, but you know how it is, you know, um, especially when people are in positions of power, you know, they dismiss you as emotional and move on, you know, so. It's un it's just, un you know, unfortunate, like you said, it's it's good that, you know, attention is being brought to individuals like that and you're, you're hoping that it gets some tossed out of here. It's just unfortunate for the girls that are playing this that again, because, you know, this is something that they got subjected to, right? This is, this is right. traumatic for them. This is something that, you know, they're going to have to deal with. And I'm hoping that the school district out there is definitely offering them support, offering them services, because this is heavy. You know, again, these are right. still children as much as we want to say, you know, you're in high school, you're becoming a young adult, but you're still a child, right? You're still, when you get up sub subjected to this, how do you contextualize this? How do you process this information? Especially in this day and age, right? Where things are supposed to be quote unquote better, right? So, um, I, you know, my heart goes out to them. I'm happy that they were able to press forward and, you know, um, win the state championship. So that, you know, that's a testament to how strong will they are for them to be able to do this in spite of all the noise that's going on. And I'm hoping that all of them are getting, you know, the support from their families and, you know, from the professionals and resources that are available to them. So because this is, this is not an easy process, you know, this is still, even after they win the championship, there's still going to be some residual and things that are going to come up and that they're going to, you know, be faced with after this. So, um, but definitely, you know, shout out to them. Uh, I'm happy that this, you know, ended in this manner and that, you know, they continue to get folks like this announcer, you know, get them out of here because they're, you know, they're, they're hurting people. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I agree, man. It's not not really much to disagree on on that one. You know, I definitely agree. Got to get him out of there. All right. So moving on to the next topic, what we have is uh, something that's been long talked about in our circle and our profession um, is the relationship between religion and mental health. Right. right. So historically, um, mental health and you know, uh, religion have been on two separate sides of the fence. It's either it's always been, unfortunately, either or. So you either had people that were either running to the pulpit, right? Or they're running to the altar or they're running to, you know, the therapist. And so for a good deal of time, it wasn't crossing any other. Right. You're not going to be either either or situation. Um, and so I feel like that's something still in some circles and depending on where you're located it's still taboo right there's still some right. things that you know it's either we're either going to pray about it or you can go get professional help so you know what you know we an article came up where it talked about um an individual who had recently attended a funeral and he said it was like kind of good news bad news 
because at first, unfortunately, the, the funeral that he was attending, the person had um, had death by suicide. And initially, they thought it was a lynching. So, you know, they were thinking bad news in the sense of this individual is another victim of, you know, racial oppression, racial injustice, police brutality, and all these other different things that have been existed for years. And it came to find out that he actually took his own life, this individual, the funeral he, he's attending. And so it was good news in the sense that it wasn't oppression. It wasn't racial. It was one of, one of those things. However, it also highlighted, you know, that this individual that was successful in, com in committing suicide had been dealing with some issues for quite some time that, you know, that he found that, that he had to resort to this act. So um, it brought up that conversation or the topic of, you know, how, how is that addressed? You know, is it a situation that, you know, how is it being brought forward where you have maybe a member of your church or member of your congregation and they're experiencing, you know, mental health issues, whether it be depression or anxiety or whatever have you, which may have contributed to this, to this person um, taking their own life. But, you know, what do you do? How is that handled, you know, in you know, that community is a situation where it is just church or is it like, do you reach out or, you know, it can be difficult for, you know, that person, especially kind of given the stigma that kind of is, is, you know, been created over, you know, historically. So what are your thoughts about that? Um, I mean, I think you, you said it with the last sentence. I mean, I don't think you could really have this conversation without talking about stigma, right? Because we're talking about African-American communities in general, and the church has been a cornerstone of the community since the beginning. Um, I mean, st the stigma is, is, is prevalent, right? And it's, it's common. Um, and it's common for a lot of African-American families or just the general perception to be, you know, like if you're experiencing mental health difficulties, uh, specifically, you keep it to yourself, right? Or you keep it in your family because right. um, you don't want to embarrass your family. And the perception of you is going to be that you're weak. Right? So I think, you know, again, I think when you have that as the environment, you know, then the natural inclination when somebody experiences something as, as stigmatizing as like depression or anxiety, maybe, you know, bipolar disorder, whatever, those type of symptoms, schizophrenia, then you, your first probably call or thought is going to be to go to the church, you know, for that assistance. Do I agree with it? No, not on that level. I feel like, you know, spirituality is important you know it's an important part of overall health I, I feel like that personally right but I thought I, I think that the same way you know we minimize mental health too much right so it's like your mother like mama's a good person to talk to but she can't be your therapist right your coach could be a good person to talk to but he's not your therapist your church your, your uh, pastor your deacon may be a person you trust and be a good person for spiritual guidance. But when it comes to depression and, help, and helping you deal with these depressive symptoms, he's not the guy, right? And we, we see people engage in this on a daily basis, but how many times did we hear, you know, coming up from our mentors, you know, if you break your leg, you can pray over the person. Somebody would look at you like a crazy person if your child broke their leg and right. you pray, you can pray on them, pray over them on their way to the hospital. Right. Or when the doctor's working on them. Right. But if your child broke their leg and you prayed over them and then just told them, put them in the bed and let them go to sleep, we will be calling the division. Why? Because it's neglect. Right. Yeah. 
So if somebody is experiencing depressive symptoms and they could potentially go take their life, right? Or anxiety and they could potentially start cutting and take their life. Why somebody would bring them to their pastor is doesn't make any sense, you know. But what I what I find with the individuals that actually do that is when a parent usually does that, again, we talk about stigma. So that's that's a way to continue to keep it in the family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in no way am I trying to talk disparagingly about people of faith or anything like that. I'm just saying when we talk about boundaries and competency, you know, um, mental health, you know, mental health and religion are, are totally different things, you know. No, absolutely. Like I, said, it, it, um, I think it's in the sense, like you said, if you're, if you're still following the, the rubric or the idea of like, like you said, keeping it in-house, right? We'll bring it to our pastor or our priest or our reverend and he's going to pray about it. He's going to pray that we get better. Then unfortunately, you're doing that individual that you are praying for more harm than good. Right? right. It's a situation where now this person, whatever they're experiencing, could potentially get worse because it's going on untreated. And so while I absolutely see the, the benefit of church, right, because, you know, the situation, the purpose of church is the community aspect. Right. You can have you can have faith or you can pray. You can do all these other different things in the comforts of your own house. You can do that on your couch. So I think people kind of get in the, you know, kind of misconstrued or misconception is that you need the church and we need everything. We got to put them on the prayer list, right? All the prayers, the more prayers, the the better. And absolutely, I'm totally with that. But it's also a situation, like you said, that they have, you know, clinicians, they have people for this purpose. And I think because like you said, you gave the example of like, you know, of the broken leg situations that you can see a broken leg. Unfortunately, mental health is the invisible illness. Right. Unfortunately, you can't see someone experiencing depression or anxiety outside of the, you know, the um, the, the physical symptoms that you see. But for the most part, again, outside of, like I said, like a broken ankle, you can see someone who you can see that so we have to get them some help. But if this person is not talking to anyone, this person is isolating themselves, this person is, you know, experiencing some high anxiety it's like oh well you know we'll just bring them to the church we're going to pray for them pray that they get better because they can't actually see it so that unfortunately kind of reinforces you know that situation and then i think also you know people get caught up on you know the scripture right and unfortunately the downside and, and again not in the disparaging manager you know come from a religious or you know church background but you know the scripture and all these things can be very rigid at times and so where it says, well, yeah, you're going to bring him to the Lord. You're going to all these other different aspects or, or things um, to that extent. People are going to follow that. They're going to follow that to the T. Right. Right. And outside of, again, of it being a medical physician, it's like, no, we're just going to take it to our pastor and our pastor. And, and he'll, you know, give his words of wisdom and something, you know, that's related to the scripture and we should be fine. But again, it, 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 it you know, it just in a lot of situations can exacerbate the person's issues. And I agree with you and I'm gonna come at it from another from another perspective in terms of, um, see when you do that, this is the thing, right? You put a lot of weight on that person. I'm not faulting the people that go to their pastor, right? Because we need people that are in, 
in the church to in these leadership positions, right, to be comfortable enough and have the resources to refer these people to the proper individuals, right? right. Yeah. And not and not try to counsel them themselves. Now, pastors have a right to counsel their their members, right? Mm-hmm. When they start counts when they start counseling them about mental health, when it comes to like depression and anxiety, and they're not licensed therapists, you know, or don't have the training, it's irresponsible, right? Because the problem is, the problem is it's, they're not just offering social support, right? They are doing interpretation, right? So if an individual who's hearing voices or seeing images ends up with the wrong person who decides to interpret that, okay? And tell the person you're going to, interpret a voice or image as a symptom right and you're going to follow it down a road to determine a diagnosis and treatment and you know mm-hmm. but you have training right you've been trained in a certain model right um but if you haven't been trained in that model then who knows what your interpretation of those voices or those images could be you know you get into the realm where you could potentially be telling somebody that they have demons or, or some type whatever your interpretation may be so I only say that to say when you talk about it can exacerbate the problem. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, um, because imagine somebody that's dealing with anxiety or symptoms of anxiety and schizophrenia, and they already think something is wrong with them. And then they go have counseling with somebody and they tell them that they have a demon or, or bad spirits or whatever a person could say. You understand that is something that we would never say. You know, that those are the things I'm thinking about, right? Because when you meet with patients, culturally, these things come up, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and when your religious leaders reinforce those things or introduce them into the conversation, you know, things can get crazy. So, again, no way are we talking disparagingly about, you know, individuals or faith leaders. I, I recommend that my patients use, you know, church and uh, spirituality related supports all the time. Mm-hmm. It's a good part of self-care, you know what I mean? Um, but spirituality and mental health are, are two different things. Religion and mental health are two different things. Yeah, the thing that comes up for me is trauma, right? Because that's heavily prevalent in our community. And how many times, again, how many members that are sitting in any particular church, especially in, in our community, have experienced trauma, right? right so right. on Sunday, yeah, we got the service, but guess what? There are six other days of the week where you got real things happening around you. Right. You've seen killings. You've seen people get robbed. You're a victim of whatever type of issue that may take place. Right. right? Whatever real life event. And, yeah, you can bring that, like you mentioned, for support. However, like, again, that person that's re-seeing that trauma replay over and over again, that can't sleep, all the other different things. Like you said, it really does fall on. Okay, you're hoping that that particular, you know, petitioner or that person, you know, that religious leader is able to say, you know, this is beyond my my scope right right you you need this is an individual that you need to see and so that's something you know because i i can be honest and sit here and say there are plenty of patients that i've seen you know and that you know absolutely i'm promoting the 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 support and the aid of you know spirituality or your religion is 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 important to you that's something you value absolutely you know we can absolutely, you know, bring that into the fold as support because that's something that's been helpful for you in the past and it can continue to be helpful for you as we move forward in treatment. However, you know, if you're 
seeing different scriptures and you say, Dr. Kyle, you know, the, the book of Job says such and such or the book of Matthews, I'm going to say, well, okay, well, you know, there's a certain extent I can't go there to that particular point because I'm not going to sit here and interpret scripture for you. Right. right. I'm not going to practice beyond what I'm trained in, you know? So it's a situation where you're hoping that like you, like you were saying that they're able to refer out and under everyone's able to practice in their scope, but a- absolutely having that working relationship, there have been plenty of situations where we've reached out to people in the community. You know, there are people that came into the hospital and we're reaching out and maybe if they're, you know, their family or not just families that, um, you know, their religious leaders, their pastors can come out and visit the hospital during visiting hours and things, because we know, again, like you said, this is somebody that they trust. This is someone that they've known for, for years and it's, you're able to help, right? It's an aid to mental health. It's an aid to treatment, but you fall in the dangerous waters when you're just looking at it as just the end all be all. Yeah. And I think, um, again, there's nothing wrong with, because again, people are going to trust who they trust and relationships are going to be built in different places with different people. So mm-hmm. some people are going to go to their primary care physician, their pediatrician. That's going to be the first person they talk to about depression and anxiety. Some mm-hmm. people are going to talk to their coach. That's going to be the first person they talk to. Some people are going to talk to their pastor, you know, but what we, what we got to say, what we got to, what we got to put ourselves in a position is where those individuals, like you say, when it gets to a point where, they're like, listen, this is beyond my scope and resist the temptation to interpret, right? If you're a coach, resist the temptation to interpret and say, oh man, you just need to work out a little bit, right? If you're a pastor, you got to resist the temptation to be like, oh, you need to just read more of your scripture, right? Because intrusive thoughts are intrusive thoughts. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, hopelessness is hopelessness. You know, if a person is overeating, undereating, neglecting their, their, their own care, you know, these are real, real things, right? So pushing somebody to exercise or read this or read that, you know, again, as a supportive mechanism, it's helpful, you know. Um, but I bring you back for any anybody that could potentially be offended, I will bring them back to the broken leg analogy. You know what I mean? If somebody broke their leg, would you read them a scripture? Possibly, because you want them to heal up real good, right? But you would read it after they got tended to by the doctor. <laughs> you understand? So that's mm-hmm. that's my point. You know, if somebody is de- depressed, will we tell them to exercise and get out and get some air and read books? Yes, we would, right? But these are things that we're going to be doing to activate their body, right? To get them moving, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these are things we're going to be doing to address, you know, to address um, the psychomotor uh, retardation, all of, all of those things, you know, um, but not these aren't things that we're going to be doing as the as necessarily the only thing, right? These are going to be supplements to the treatment that the person is is getting, right? So um, that's the you know that's the point is that we want relationships with these people because eventually we're going to be sending them back, right? Right. You know, once the person makes a certain amount of progress in treatment. We're going to be sending them back to the coach to exercise. We're going to be sending them back to, to um, church. But we want, you know, we just want individuals to be able to refer out when, you know, the symptoms or the situation gets past a certain point. But I, what I've tried to do is kind of meet them halfway because I've, I've done a couple engagements like, you know, at my church. or I've even talked to people like some members just kind of here and there sparingly about like just different things. Um, and I say, listen, you know you can still maintain that sense of, you know, I get it. You don't want, 
your information to get out. Like nobody would. I totally get that. So I said, right. you talk to a therapist or you talk to a psychologist or something or a counselor, like it's still confidential. Like nobody has to know. Right. Sure. Like you can, it's the same way how, you know, you want to talk to the reverend, you want to talk to the pastor after church, or you coming in during the middle of the week to talk to him and have right. a session that still applies when, you know, you're talking to one of us. I said, no one has to know, like, I get it. Like this stuff is heavy and it's not, you know, for general consumption. So you, we, it's still, you know, confidential. It's still not going to get out unless you want the information, whoever you're, you're comfortable sharing with. So I said, it, it's still that element where people don't have to know and think that you're crazy because you're going to see a therapist and so on and so forth. So, you know, that's, again, it's like the same thing. It's kind of bringing it out, you know, and also it's like, Hey, you know, I'm putting it back on them. It's like, listen, God, Lord, whomever, you know, your higher power may be, I imagine doesn't want you to continue to, to suffer in the dark. Right. He shines right. light on things. So, right. you know, just trying to meet them where they're at and say, you know, like you said, dispel some of those misconceptions or the stigma that, that's been going along that has been hysterically existing with this particular situation. It's like, like you said, it's an aid. Like, we'll work with you. We're not against it. It's not an either or thing. It's an in addition to that, you know, work with somebody that's actually trained to help you with these symptoms so they don't get continue to get worse. Yeah, I mean, I listen. I agree. Um, again, I, 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 and again, I don't think anybody does it with malicious intent. I think yeah. people do it out of a place where they want to, where they want to help, and you know, they're using their knowledge and their experience the best way they can. Um, but again, it's about competency. You know, we got to know, um, we got to in, in boundaries, and we kind of got to stay within the boundaries of what, where we're trained. You know, absolutely. All right, so. Something that came up, um, article that came across my desk like last week uh, was Michelle Obama. All right, again because it's him history month, so I'm, I'm all I'm all for it. Um, and I love Michelle Obama. Like I don't know who doesn't. Like she's, she's <laughs> me. see what I mean? Like that's that's the that's the crush, man. You know, it's it's, it's Michelle Obama, right? So she talked about um, in on her on her podcast and then also on. Um, people magazine i think it was that she had experienced a low-grade depression um especially heavy last year with the pandemic and with also the racial things i'm gonna read her quote so she mentioned she said depression is understandable in these circumstances you know during these times to think somehow that we can just continue to rise above all the shock and trauma and all the upheaval that have been we've been experiencing without feeling in any way is unrealistic right so she mentioned this is one of the reasons why we need to talk more about mental health because everybody deals with trauma, anxiety, and difficulties in other in different ways. Uh, hold on, she said. She said, uh, hold, on, "Hold on, yeah." So she said she was experiencing low grade depression, and we've had the continuing killing of black men at the hands of police, and just seeing the video of George Floyd. Uh, experiencing that for eight minutes—that's a lot to take on. Not to mention being in the middle of a quarantine. So, um, so yeah, you know, um, what are your thoughts about, you know, her, her statement on that? Uh, I mean, I, I agree. Um, you know, I think a lot of minorities, um, can identify with this. Um, and then on a lot of people in general, um, not only minorities, but especially minorities who might've had family members, you know, in this situation, um, she referenced George Floyd. And she's absolutely right. Um, but for me, again, it's about 
you know, the bigger issue, uh, whether it be Ahmaud Albury, you know, all the way back to, you know, Trayvon Martin, um, Walter Scott. I remember watching him get shot in the back, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only reason, Fernando Castillo, the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because I remember watching these people be murdered on, on my phone. You know, I've seen some of the videos 10, 20 times, you know. Um, all of Tamar Rice, you know, another name that comes up. So all of these people we've seen murdered, yeah. you know, um, Eric Garner, you, you know. Um, so my the, the, the reason why, you know, I agree with her is because, I mean, I've been affected too, you know. It's, you know, um, and I think her using the, the kind of the term low-grade depression is a, it's kind of a good way to say it um, because, of course, we're using lay layperson's terms, so we don't, we're not necessarily talking about clinical depression. But she's talking about intense sadness, right? right. And I know I experienced that. Um, and I, and I, I'll, I'll give you a prime example. Just every time I see you see a, a you know somebody murdered on my phone, and the video comes up, it's two thoughts that come into my mind. Number one, not again. You know, and two, it could have been me, right? Because I've been pulled over. I've had guns, you know, pulled out on me, you know, all of those things by police officers, right? So it's not again, and it could have been me, right? Over and over and over. Um, and I think that just seeing these images and being inundated by these, inundated by these images day after day, I mean, it does something to you, you know? Um, and there's been days where I've, I've been at work and I, it's been like a 12 o'clock, you know, the afternoon. And I'm like, well, why do I feel like this? And then I'll remember what's going on, you know. Um, or I'll, some days I'll feel the opposite. Like I'll be walking around work and I won't be upset, but I'll be looking around at everybody else because I know how I feel. Like I feel anxious inside. I feel I feel like, yo, I'm working. I'm getting ready to go see a patient and people out there protesting because somebody just got murdered in the, in the street. On my phone, everybody should be upset about this. Mm-hmm. You know, so it affects everybody. Um, so the fact that she's kind of speaking truth to power and talking about it, um, I agree. And I think a lot of people can identify, right? Because they're gonna be some people who aren't black, aren't white, but they're gonna look and they're gonna be like Tamar Rice was a child. Yeah, you know? It's like with with all of those killings with all the people you mentioned, you know, when when you see something like that, that that's gonna trigger a an increase in, in trauma and your own anxiety right because like you said it's something that you see and it could have been you right or you see you know your grandparents you see your parents right wow. you're seeing the same things that we grew up watching right with the hoses and the dogs and you know the police we we saw that right we saw that in black and white now we're seeing it right here on our phone, like you said, almost real time, like right after it happens. And so absolutely. And I think one in our community, especially like it results, right? It stays there. It's not like it might just you watch it on the news for a week or two and then yeah. it goes away. No, this stays in our community like this stays with us individually. All right. This is why we know the names. Right. This is why we do have this fluctuation in our mood, in our thinking. And I'm happy that she is continuing to bring it up and, and speak about it because it's Michelle, it's Michelle Obama, right? It's her platform. Again, this it's also 
bringing to the point and highlighting that this doesn't discriminate just because when you're thinking of someone that was the former first lady has all these various resources has been everywhere like this still hits home for her right this still affects her in a manner of like you said she's experiencing experience you know increased sadness she's experiencing these low moods and she has all the resources in the world but this is a real thing. Like, this is what's happening. And when these things take place, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't just go away just because we turn off CNN, right? It doesn't I just mean, go away because nobody is no longer watching these protests or we're no longer out there protesting. No, this stays with us. And this has a, a severe impact on us. I mean, I, I agree, right? Because, again, you know, um, the problem now is, like, when I when I see these videos, I mean, I look at myself, but it hits me harder, right? Because I, I got a 17-year-old nephew, right? Um, I have an 11-year-old nephew. They they boys, they're going to be driving. Yeah. You know, they're going to be out here. Um, you know, and then the fact that, you know, we see these incidents, you know, going on time after time after time, and then you can turn on the news and you'll still have people to tell you, comply, 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 and you'll be alive, you know? Um, I don't, I, I mean, I, it, it seems not to do it justice to say that it makes me feel bad <laughs> because it's more than it makes me feel bad, but it makes me less than hopeful for the future, right? Um, because you have individuals who still don't realize that the people that are pulling those triggers, it's as similar, it's, it, it almost brings me back to the first story that we had, right? Mm-hmm. What kind of person do you have to be to call, to, to first to say to any child, fuck them, any child, Right. Fuck them. No, totally. Right. And, Out of pocket. And then, and then to call a child a fucking nigga. What kind of person do you have to be? Right. In terms of morality, you have no values. Right. Um, so, so again, but a similar type of person, right, is going to be able to dehumanize and label a child like Tamar Rice or label, a, a, you know, a, one of these kids a problem child. Right. Mm -hmm. These are the same type of people, you know, that can that know the story, you know, can know Trayvon Martin was murdered. Right. And are posting pictures of him hanging out with his friends, you know, uh, doing doing, you know, doing things, trying to trying to project him in in an image as if he was a bad kid. Right. We still have this mindset. Right. And and you still have people searching for the justification. Right. Um, But. The reason why I bring it back to the first one is because you have to dehumanize people and if you, for you to be able to accept that. You know, a large portion of this country can can look at their phone and look at Fernando Castillo get murdered in front of his girlfriend, right? And watch Walter Scott get killed and go on CNN and say, just comply and you'll be alive, right? Mm-hmm. But black people need to be, black people just need to be more patriotic and respectful. And if you can say that, and sleep, because I can't sleep some nights when I see this stuff. I can't sleep. If you can say that and sleep, you know, then you have effectively dehumanized the victim, mm-hmm. right? Because I can't sleep when I see a child murdered on my phone, you know? Um, and, it, and it sickens me even more when I'm in certain environments and nobody cares, you know? Um, so again, for Michelle Obama, who probably finds out about incidents that are occurring in little corners of the country and the world that I would never hear about because I'm not as important as her. Low-grade depression? 
I get it. Yeah. I understand it. And and I'm hoping that with her speaking out, um, that again it brings more attention to it. And I'm hoping that, you know, we especially as a community, but not, you know, just us, but everybody, that they start to, you know, take heed to that. You know, start recognizing, you know, that like you mentioned, if you're at work and like again, you start to feel that frustration, you know, you start you're feeling that that inner conflict, you're feeling that incongruence, like. You know, this is a sign. That's something, right? Like we've talked about in previous pods, you know, your body's going to tell you something, right? You're going to get these warning signs. And so, you know, depression or anxiety or all these other different things that we experience, right? They're not always just like, like that. They creep up on you, right? Especially because when we continue to see these images, these videos on our phone, yeah, it's going to continue to take an effect. And you don't know how over time how it is going to impact you, right? How you get that, whether it be low grade, high grade, whatever the situation may be, whatever the severity, it's going to have an impact. So I'm hoping that people start to have and start to develop more of that self-awareness about, you know what, I've been noticing that, you know, my moods have been changing, right? Maybe I have it more slugging. I've been more reclusive and not just due to COVID, but just kind of due to my interaction. Right. I want people to start to kind of check themselves and be able to gaze themselves and read up more about what depression looks like. Read up what more anxiety looks like. Read out, read up on these these things because it's important. You know, Michelle's talking about it. She's talking about it for a reason. She wants to get that word out there. So just like we use this platform to continue and promote mental wellness, I want people to really start to take that time out and start thinking about how things have changed. How have your views changed? How have your attitudes changed? All these other different things, um, because it's important and they do have an impact on us, whether we know it or like to, you know, think that they don't you know we think we're able to put things to the side and but no nah, it, it creeps up on us and it can be very dangerous if it continues to go just un, untreated or unaddressed so but it was definitely a good article and i'm happy uh that that she's speaking on it yeah that's a fact i mean obviously michelle obama is you know personifies excellence in every way but um the fact that she's speaking truth to power on this one you know i gotta gotta give her credit you know good articles good articles today all day. All right. So that brings us to a comedian and actor, um, former SNL uh, actor. Uh, I think he was on there for a few years. Will Forte um, is coming up with a new TV show called a um, expiration date. And so the premise of this show is that he's an individual who's experiencing uh, a lot of grief Um is that I think some family members have passed away and, you know, he's, he's not having a good time. As anybody who loses somebody important to you, you know, grief is is heavy. You know, I think right. that's, that's an understatement. Um, and so he um, he finds a life insurance policy that will actually cover uh, suicide. But the caveat or the condition is that you have to wait a year from when you start the um, the policy um, you have to wait a year and until you actually, if you attempt or are successful at suicide, that the policy or the insurance company will actually pay out on that, on that um, cause of death. So the premise of the show is that in between this time, after he starts the policy, he's it's a year between he's eligible to get covered for, you know, his his thoughts of having suicide. And so a lot of uh, a lot of people are outraged. Um, a lot of networks, a lot of different, um, you know, people of interest are upset 
and thinking that, you know, this show is um, detrimental, it's dangerous, it's irresponsible, you know, uh, negative connotations as far as um, mental health is not taking mental health um, as serious, all these other different things. So what what jumped out at you um, as you read this article and you brought it forward? I mean, they have the right to do it, but I think it's irresponsible, you know. Um, I mean, I'm not going to specifically get into every behavior, but there are certain behaviors, you know, in our society that are reprehensible, right? So, and I, there, and there are certain behaviors, and I'm not talking about super suicide specifically, but there are certain things that even if we reference them and document them, like in movies and films, they do it in a certain way, right? We do it without glorifying right? It, right? So you can cover sexual assault is covered in movies all the time, right? But it's not glorified in movies, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I'm not conflating the two things, right? I'm not conflating the two things, but I also think like suicide is that serious of a subject that it sh we should go out of our way not to glorify it, right? So if this show gives any inkling that this is a game, right? And that and and that this is not saying it's fun, but you know, we're sensationalized, we're romanticizing yeah. suicide, then it shouldn't air, right? If if it's documenting a, a, you know what causes a person to take their life, you know, what are the factors around around that? To me, that's a little different. It, it might be heavy content that's appropriate for certain people and not appropriate for certain people. But if we're taking somebody killing themselves or somebody getting feeling so overwhelmed that they don't want to live anymore and we're like putting things around it to make it palatable as a show and and ultimately do what pull more people in teenagers kids everyone mm -hmm. and some vulnerable people inevitably uh, i think is irresponsible what about you yeah um as i was reading through the article like um and like you said we talked about this a little bit last week right we talked about how in, in media or in film or tv shows like you said they're gonna try to to find the entertainment aspect of it um yeah this could be really dangerous um because it's like suicide is the backdrop of this right and i, I feel like that's and again the show hasn't aired yet but just kind of from reading from uh what was published in this article is that i feel like suicide is going to be the backdrop like he's having some serious intent where obviously he's you know um he chose this policy for a reason right because it's right. the only policy that's gonna um that's gonna pay out for when he does you know eventually attempt the act and i feel like okay they're probably going to be doing other different things amongst you know, and I guess that year time frame that's going to make up for, I'm sure there are going to be all types of adventures and other different things that are going to plot twist. But my thing is that I'm concerned about it's dangerous if you're not going to address the aspect of suicide itself, right? Like, okay. are you in this show? Are they going to, okay, he's experiencing gr grief. So is he going to get any form of treatment or help? Right. Because I feel like that gets left out. Right. When you romanticize any type of mental illness, or any type of mental health on television or film, they tend to leave out the treatment aspect of it. They just like, OK, the person suffering from this, he's suffering from anxiety or schizophrenia, bipolar, whatever the situation may be. But they tend to leave out the treatment aspect of it. And I feel like this is where it's dangerous, because when you leave that aspect of it, it's just like, oh, he's just going about his day, having these different adventures. And that may or may not result in him going forward with 
the policy or going forward with the act so he can get the payout or his family can get the payout or he won't. Like, that's the dangerous aspect of it that I feel like this is kind of really dipping themselves into because I feel like they're going to leave out the serious notion that, no, this is suicide. Like, he's, you know, he has some serious ideation on what he wants to go forward with. And I feel like they're going to leave out the, well, is he getting help for his grief? Right. Is he, you know, are they treating that aspect? How is that being addressed? Like they're just leaving that part out of it. So that's where I feel like this is definitely dangerous because it minimizes suicide. It's just like, oh, he ho ho, I'm just going to do this in a year from now. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll get to it. I mean, I, I I agree. I definitely think, you know, where we, you know, they're kind of romanticizing it and, you know, for lack of a better term, like the treatment portion of it and how difficult it is and what, people go through during that portion is kind of gets lost in the sauce, right? Because it's not, it doesn't really make for interesting movie, you know, um, unless the therapist is doing something crazy or they're, they're having an affair in the session or something that doesn't happen, right? Um, so it, it kind of goes back to some, you know, what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago about, you know, when we put mental illness uh, or mental health disorders into movies, you know, there's that entertainment factor, right? Um, so, the factual part of it gets lost, you know? Um, So again, I I think the one thing I kind of wanted to bring up about this movie is that um, the article did say it's still in production. So it hasn't yet been ordered to a series yet. So um, hopefully, you know, the the kind of publicity and technology, right? Getting involved in terms of the publicity generated from this story, you know, Hopefully it won't come out because I mean I mean I'm definitely not going to see it, but I don't think from what they've offered, I don't think you know um, it's going to be beneficial. I feel like if anything, it's going to it may inspire you know certain individuals who are already vulnerable and may push them you know over that edge and make them decide to actually harm themselves. Um, so I think that that's a that's a possibility and a risky one. Yeah, because I feel like throughout the show, it's going to be the like the will he, won't he, you know, right. what's going to happen, what's going to push him over the edge. Oh, and I, and I, that's that's dangerous because, you know, that's really painful. You have people that are really experiencing this. And I, I you know, like, uh, I don't know, man, I kind of kind of cringe when I and I saw this and I and I know Will Forte, he's a funny guy and, you know, comedians and actors are able to make anything entertaining. I get that aspect of it, but I just feel like this being an ongoing thing, this could be really um, dangerous, painful for a lot of individuals, whether they're they're reading it or not. But like I said, it minimizes and kind of makes light of the situation and it has, it plays the backdrop and no, that that's um, yeah. uh, They, they definitely need to redo this, you know, um, and kind of think twice about this one because I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't. Nah, we gotta keep keep our ear to the street and see if there's an update on this. But hopefully, it won't it won't be ordered to series. You know, hopefully not. You know, so we'll see, man. It's it's Hollywood, so um, yeah. I don't know, man. Any anything to get ratings, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anything else you got on got online for us, good brother? Uh. Not really. I mean, good, good, out, good articles this week, though. A lot of different subjects. So good articles this week, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, um, you know, I want to thank everybody for, of course, tuning in uh, and watching on YouTube. You know, absolutely watch, like, subscribe, comment. 
Uh, that's something we want everyone to continue to do. Again, always continue to bring up um, and comment on maybe on some topics that you know, that are relevant to what's going on in life. You know, you know, Jason and I, we live life. We're, you know, ordinary human beings and individuals, but there might be some things that are happening, you know, in your life that we're not experiencing, but it's important. So guys, we want definitely want to thank everyone for watching, continuing to listen um, and supporting, you know, because, you know, it's important. We're, we're using this platform to help people and to promote, you know, mental wellness and health wellness and everything under the sun. So, uh, you know, guys, please continue to watch, subscribe, listen and comment. We want to hear from you guys. We want to talk about things that are relevant um, to what's going on in life. So um, if anything else, Dr. J, it's been a thank pleasure, you. my man. I just want to thank everybody for the support um, so far. Um, very happy with that. Um, and like, you know, Dr. Kyle said, please uh, like, subscribe, or leave a comment. Um, and we appreciate you listening. All right, bro. All right, sir. Till next time, bro. No doubt. Later. All right.